Welcome to Real Estate and Coffee. My name is Joel Arndt. Today is Saturday, October 19th, 2019. Here's some Canadian real estate news while you enjoy your morning coffee. This morning's article is from The Star. A renter moves out and then gets a bill. What damages are tenants responsible for? The question. You've given notice, moved your belongings to your new digs, and left your former rental home in what you thought was good condition. Then you get the bill. Your old landlord has compiled a list of damages they say you're responsible for. A new coat of paint for marks on the wall, perhaps, or to cover grout replacement for mold along the bathtub. When it comes to damages, what can a tenant be held responsible for? The Residential Tenancies Act states, the tenant is responsible for the repair of undue damage to the rental unit or residential complex caused by the willful or negligent conduct of the tenant, another occupant of the rental, or a person permitted in the residential complex by the tenant. At best, the terms willful and negligent are subjective, according to landlord and tenant lawyer Karima Saad. An example of negligent damage could be something like a shower head. Could be something like if a shower head has been leaking since a tenant took up residency in a unit and it caused parts of the basin to begin molding. If a tenant neglects to tell their landlord of the problem and the issue grows, so does the cost of repairs. Because the tenant didn't make their landlord aware of the problem, the onus may be on the tenant. That's why Saad said it's so important for there to be a good chain of communication between the parties. Saad also said that a portion of claims for negligent damage have been filed due to damage caused when a tenant tried to fix a problem themselves and only made it worse. Negligent can be understood to mean damage that is accidental or incidental to a tenant's activities. Lynn Burns media representative for Pro Bono Ontario, an organization who provides legal services for Ontarians who cannot afford them, wrote to the star. Willful is intentional damage, according to Pro Bono Ontario. This could also extend to reckless behavior that is very likely to result in damage, such as if a tenant caused damage by dragging a large object up a staircase instead of lifting it, Burns said. If there are crumbs behind the stove, the top layer of paint is a bit worn, and there are some indents in the carpet where your bed frame marked up the floor, both Saad and George Brown, president of the Ontario Paralegal Association, said this could be regarded as wear and tear, and a landlord would be hard-pressed to make a claim once a tenant has left. 
However, everything is case-specific. It's anything that the landlord can easily repair by simply repolishing or repainting, Brown said. Burns defines it as wear and tear that is not unusual in the circumstances. For example, if the flooring is at issue, general wear and tear could include a worn carpet or scratched floor that could ordinarily occur through everyday use. Similarly, if a kitchen surface was at issue, general wear and tear could be seen to include minor chips or stains that is normal for surfaces of the age and material at issue. Does the tenant have to pay? Saad said, it's up to the landlord to push a claim if they see fit. Since it is illegal for landlords to hold money in the form of a damage deposit, a landlord with a tenant still living in the unit would have to file a claim with the Landlord and Tenant Board, LTB, to request payment from a tenant for specific damages through an N5 form. Further, Burns said, if a tenant still resides in their landlord's unit, a landlord can file to end the tenancy due to damage. Brown said many people think landlords can simply charge a tenant as they see fit, but that isn't true. The landlord must take the claim to the LTB with proof of the damage and a few estimates on how much repairs will cost. From there, the file will move into a small claims court. If, however, the tenant has already moved out and a landlord notices damage that could be classified as willful or negligent, the issue is out of the LTB jurisdiction and the landlord would have to file directly to small claims court. According to Brown, this doesn't fare well for landlords, as a tenant could potentially argue that the claim could have been made through the LTB while they occupy the unit, and that they are not responsible for damages. Landlords need to pay attention and monitor their property, he said. For both tenants and landlords, Saad said they should consider what the total value of the damages are and use their own judgment, or in some cases, legal advice, to decide if the time and expenses of going to small claims court is worth the price of damages caused. Best practices. There are a few best practices both landlords and tenants can take to help avoid potential conflict and repair costs, according to Saad. For starters, both parties should take video of the unit before anything is moved in. You want to get a general sense of what the place looks like. It may be beneficial to do something similar when the lease is terminated or expired. Secondly, Saad recommends tenants keep a list of maintenance issues and faulty utilities so there is a record of them notifying their landlord. Similarly, she said landlords should do routine checks, at least annually, so they aren't surprised by anything when the tenant moves out. What would that would cause a landlord to file for damage fees? Landlords have to be proactive, Brown said noting that damages must be faced when they become apparent. I'm really interested on feedback on this one. 
the what's your process as a landlord for first of all do you do inspections how often and how do you do them do you do them under the guise of coming in to replace smoke detectors or is it communicated to your tenants at the beginning of their lease that hey every six months or every year we're going to be doing an inspection we're just going to come through and make sure that there's nothing out of the ordinary um Do you have a process in place for that? Second, have you had to pursue a tenant for damages before? What was that process like in the LTB? What was that process like in small claims court? How often have you actually won the damages versus the tenant got away with it? And thirdly, how often do you actually charge for damages? What's your precipice? What's your threshold? At what point do you say, okay, I'm not fronting the cash for this one. And you move forward with small claims court. Assuming the tenant isn't in the unit already or isn't in the unit anymore. So do you have an inspection process? What does that look like? Number one. Number two, what's, have you had to go through small claims court and the LTB to claim damages? What are those process? What have those processes looked like for you? Number three, what's your success been like in both the LTB and in small claims court? And What's your threshold, rather, for saying, yep, we're going to actually pursue damages in this case? I'd love to hear from you. Email me, recoffee at joelarnt.ca, recoffee at j-o-e-l-a-r-n-d-t dot c-a. If you'd like Canadian real estate news every morning, well, Monday to Saturday, I take Sundays off, subscribe to Real Estate and Coffee wherever you listen to it. If you know someone who's a landlord and who has gone through the process of trying to claim damages before, or if you know anyone else who might be interested in this episode specifically, share it with them. I'd love to get their feedback as well. The reason why we become landlords is because we want our money making money for us. We don't just want to invest in mutual funds and indexes we want to actually see a decent return on our income or we want our money for some of you you may just want your money parked in something that is physical like a house rather than something that is 
I mean, as much as you buy a stock in a, in a business and they can have a hard assets, it, that's a little bit more, that, that's, that's much more indirect than actually owning a house. Looking for freedom, looking for financial independence. You're planning ahead, thick, thinking bigger. That's why it can be so scary, especially in the, I'm sure it's never, it never gets really less. Well, I, this is another thing I'd love to hear. The further, for you experienced landlords, the further you go into your landlording career, your investing career, does it get any less scary when you have to deal with stuff like damages when your property is put at risk? because of, let's say, you know, specifically because of negligence from tenants or even willful damaging. Does it get any less scary? In the beginning, for sure, you know, the vulnerability f that you feel when your property is, your investment, your future, your freedom and independence, essentially, is put at risk, is being threatened. Does that get any easier? I'd love to know. Now, I'm sure it gets easier as you have processes in place to deal with all of it, for sure. I can only imagine that the more often you have to deal with it, or the more often you, you, you learn how to mitigate those kind of risks, then yeah, I can see how it would become less scary. I believe, and I think anybody listening to this podcast would agree, that real estate is, it is a solid investment and a solid route to financial independence. If it's the most reliable, I would argue it is, given other investment vehicles out there, especially if you have a system in place for investing in real estate, not just doing it on a whim. And especially if you're connected with a community that has members who have been investing at various stages, you know, for various lengths of time, who invest in different property types, who use different strategies to solve similar problems. And I think that's actually one of the most important things about any investment into your future, being connected with a group who is also investing in their future, thinking big, but especially when it comes to owning rental properties because you are dealing directly with other people and your property. There's a lot of emotions involved. And so to have support behind you is extremely important. So why organizations like Ontario Landlord Watch, super helpful. 
your landlord association in your area. Uh, also, uh, the Infinity Wealth Investment Network. These people have, uh, this, this group has experienced and brand new investors. The brand new investors are, are looking to make those first forays, first steps into real estate investing less scary, less confusing, less complex. They realize that real estate's one of the biggest tickets to their financial freedom. And they can glean from the other members there who have done this for decades. And then the members who have done, who have been landlords for decades, they're also thinking big. They're still thinking about their future and they're looking at other avenues to protect and multiply the wealth they've generated through real estate. The, com the, the one strategy that a lot of Iwin members are enjoying right now is a, particularly a particular strategy of investing um, through stock options. It's not just investing in stock options. There's a very specific process. And it's pretty interesting. And it's made people several thousand dollars, if not more, already in the, in the last few months. It's just, Iwin is just a group of people thinking big, and it's that kind of support that's necessary when your future is on the line. It's also why I bought my ticket to the Wealth Hacker Conference. There's going to be a whole bunch of people there who uh, aren't a part of Iwin. Over a thousand people who are going to be there who, you know, aren't a part of the groups that I usually move in. And I want to connect with these people who are thinking bigger, who are looking to hack the traditional routes to finance, who are looking, are already actively investing in their future and enjoy finding new ways to build wealth. Those are the kind of people I want to connect with. Also, Grant Cardone speaking, so that's going to be cool. There's a, there's a slew of other speakers who have gotten just wizard good at a specific investing strategy. Whether it be something as common as basement suite apartments, to something a little bit more high level like investing in apartment buildings, 20 plus units, to the stock options thing. Omar and Matthew will be there teaching about stock option, their specific stock option strategy, to then just building businesses. Tom and Nick Carradza, how they built their brokerage. Uh, Marianne Gillespie, she's a business coach. Your three investments to that will take you to financial freedom are real estate stocks and 
businesses. And it's covered at the Wealth Hacker Conference. I'm looking forward to hear, hearing about it all and connecting with people who are using all three of those in some manner and learning from them. If you're interested in going as well, check out wealthhacker.ca. Three ticket levels, take your pick. There'll be a link, enter promo code once you choose your ticket. Use the discount code REALWEALTH. All one word, REALWEALTH. And that'll give you 10% off your, your ticket. So wealthhacker.ca, choose your ticket, click on the enter promo code link, use the discount code REALWEALTH. All one word. And if you're going, email me and let me know. I want to connect. I'd love to meet up with you there. It's just a one-day deal, November 9th. Shotgun of information. And then plenty of opportunity to connect. It's Saturday. Enjoy your weekend.